Hi, welcome to this episode of Doctors Who Create. My name is Darlena Liu, and I'll be your host for today. I had a chance to speak with Dr. Dana Wang, a psychiatrist and the founder of Rivia Medical. She will share a little bit about her story, how she created her practice, Rivia Medical, and so much more. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Dana Wang. I'm a psychiatrist, adult psychiatrist um, practicing in New York. Um, I currently have uh, a group practice that I started in the city, um, bring like-minded um, clinicians together to uh, bring quality mental health care to people with insurance. Um, so that's our motto to uh, bring quality service in an affordable way um, for New Yorkers. That's really admirable. And something that we haven't really talked about on this podcast yet, or in general, I think, is the process of creating a practice. I feel like in medical school, that's something I haven't gotten any exposure to. I think that is really a shame in a way that um, we were really not exposed to the business side of medicine until, you know, probably well after residency, when you're really started, when you really start to be in the workforce, that's when you um, you are exposed and you're, you're at the forefront of um, seeing medicine uh, and the business aspect of it. So I think it's a, actually a disadvantage for physicians because we miss a lot of creative opportunities where we can have a real say in the care that we deliver and in the model that we want to create to deliver that care in the most efficient and um, quality way and that's that was my experience um so like you I you know the business was never discussed in medical school and and really not at all in residency as well but what I've witnessed is I um saw a lot of inefficiency and a lot of kind of redundancy um in medicine and I was always puzzled by why that um, upper management in medicine are often not doctors. They are business background. I mean, rightly so, they have skills to contribute, but I feel like doctors um, are not really given the um, space to kind of put our uh, voice in the matter. Uh, I definitely saw that in big bureaucracies, in the way business, uh, sorry, hospitals are run. Um, and I just always thought, this has to be, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way so we can deliver more direct care rather than wasting time jumping through red tapes and um, playing politics and, and all of that. So with those experiences sort of inspired me, if you will, <laughs> to um, think about what kind of a practice I would want to create. It sounds like you have a lot more control when you create a practice to enact those changes. Yes. Challenges too, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Definitely lots of challenges. Because we don't have previous education on this, it's learning on the go, learning on the fly. So you try things and then it doesn't work or it's worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you have to backtrack back and learn to kind of try something else. But yes, I was lucky enough to um, uh, meet uh, people who are like-minded and allow me the freedom to try new things. 
um, and eventually we sort of settled into the current business model that we have. We really want to center the the um, experience to make it so that both patients and clinicians want to be here. So uh, that's actually, you know, it sounds simple, but it's not always easy. Um, I have seen in various places that I've worked, clinicians burn out very early. Um, they're overworked, um, they're crammed with patients, and they don't get the, get the enough time to actually build that connection with their patient. That really kind of was what fueled them to enter the profession in the first place. Um, and they're not really treated with the same sort of benefits and corporate kind of friendliness as other professions do. Um, just to give you an example, um, uh, places where there's free coffee. <laughs> Makes a big difference. Yes, you know, with snacks around where people can just, you know, take a break. Um, those models are much more um, entrenched in the corporate world, but not so much in medicine. Um, so things like that. Um, uh, so it's really is... two fronts we have to think about. <laughs> exactly. The and also other providers. Yes. Well, I believe if we create a workspace that providers want to work, then the patients will be happier too. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It was it when you're meeting other people who also mm -hmm. had this vision in mind, how did you put these ideas and values uh, into practice, mm -hmm. so to speak? Yeah, so first of all, we um, there is that financial aspect in which we have to make sure that the model can sustain itself. And once it does, we um, work very hard on our recruitment. So um, we select for providers who are interested in learning and interested in being in a team that learn together. So we have... Um, weekly um, psychopharm supervision group um, where we read papers together, we keep up with the current um, uh, knowledge. Uh, we also have another once a week um, psychotherapy group together where we support each other in the difficult cases that we see. Um, on top of that, we have a book club um, once a month, we read four, four books a year together, so every quarter we read a book. Right now, it's called How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, I think, yes. So that's a new book we picked for the last quarter. Is it usually related to mental health? Um, yes, usually um, some uh, popular psychology that are um, in the mainstream media, so we want to be in the know of you know, what are the things that patients can relate to. So um, it's twofold. One is we read a lot of academic papers, um, but those are not always useful to uh, refer patients to read it. So we read other psychology books that are a little bit more in layman terms and um, see if it's applicable for patients to read it. And also um, just to kind of juice up our own thinking, out of the box a little bit um, and uh, inspire our own kind of creative process in how to approach patient care. I love that idea. Yeah. How did it come about? Um, it really is just like I said, trial and error, 
you know, one day I just thought, oh, it would be fun if we could all read together. I don't read enough. <laughs> I always wish I could read more. It would be nice to have buddies that can keep me accountable. So I said, hey, do people want to read together? And everyone's like, okay, yeah, let's do a book club. So that's sort of how, how it gave birth to um, this idea. But um, I think like I said, the, the like-minded people aspect in which um, we foster a team of clinicians that are all interested in learning, not just sort of churning out numbers and prescribing and just uh, pushing pills, but rather we care about our own work to spend all that extra time on a weekly basis to hone the art of um, psychiatry I guess mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and creating a culture exactly mm -hmm. so um, I always thought why can't we have the uh, really the the merit of academic medicine which is really the learning aspect um, being in a team in a private practice I don't see why those two can't be together mm -hmm. so that's also what inspired me to do this yeah, it seems like you found a way to create a, yeah. a combination that's right. like the best of both worlds. Have my own grand rounds and yeah. <laughs> things like that. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned some of the challenges throughout this process. What, what were mm -hmm. some of the biggest challenges that you faced mm -hmm. when you decided that you wanted to create this practice? Yeah, so um, dealing with insurance companies is a daily battle, but it's a battle worth fighting for. Um, because I think actually most of the um, psychiatrists in New York don't take insurance, so we're quite unique in that sense. But we believe in it because um, um, ultimately it's the only way to really bring mental health to the mass. Um, not everybody can afford out-of-pocket cost, um, at, at least not frequently. I can understand why some of my colleagues don't take insurance just because of the amount of um, changes you have to keep up with and the policies and the bureaucracies. Um, it is easier to not take that. <laughs> but, um, right, so, so those are kind of some of the battles that come with experience. You have to learn to... Um, find ways to get claims processed and not denied and um, what have you. Yeah. What was it like for you finishing residency in that? Did you immediately mm -hmm. start working on creating yeah. yeah, I actually did. Um, I guess it's a little bit unusual in that sense. Um, most people um, either do fellowship or... or, or um, work other jobs and then um, way to build their own practice so um, there are several reasons I started right away um, one was that I had help which is very lucky that um, I met my partner who was already in private practice for a few years so he showed me the ropes and we decided to build a joint practice so that was um, incredibly lucky I think uh, especially I was moving from Boston to New York um, so basically starting new it also just takes a decision that look I'm this is what I really want to do and sooner or later I'm gonna do it so might as well be now 
kind of thing and that um, I had the support of my family um, and they really encouraged me to just go for it. Um, so all of that combined, I was able to um, start as, as soon as I got here. Great. Were there particular resources that you found most mm -hmm. helpful in that early period? Um, resources, I think this is one area that physicians don't do enough and we really miss out on, is networking. So I would, um, you know, read these management books and that tells me, oh, you should be networking constantly. You should be networking, you know, you should never eat a meal alone. You should <laughs> always be networking, you know, for like 50% of your day or something like that crazy. And that is a completely foreign concept to physicians because we're taught to just put our head, put our head down, do our work, and then once that's finished, we leave. Um, we don't really spend that time to ask other people, what are they doing? So I think that's great. You're creating this podcast to find out, okay, what are actually people doing in the field and how can we join forces together? How can we create something together? And I think that's one of the most valuable things for all people in medicine. <laughs> I've always said that's one of my favorite things about doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. I get to meet incredible people who are doing things that are so inspirational. I feel yeah. like bringing all those different ideas together has exactly. been really helpful for me. Yeah. So you already have a head start. <laughs> um, and going back to your training mm -hmm. and a little bit further back um, in college, you had mm -hmm. studied art. I did, yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I have studied art when I was a child and always loved it. And um, the, I knew that I wanted to become a doctor, but the idea of never doing art again was a little bit heartbreaking, <laughs> even though I don't do that much now anymore. But at the time I was thinking, okay, I can still study something um, that I love doing as part of my education and whether or not um, I come back to it, um, that can be an option whenever I want to. So I majored, I double majored in molecular cell biology and art practice. So it's studio art. So I did a lot of oil painting. Um, that was my medium in college. Were there overlaps? Did you paint anatomical parts or Interesting. anything else? <laughs> um, I painted, I remember when I was taking um, um, OCHEM, organic chemistry, I would paint the um, those formulas, those fencing rings, and yeah, that that did make it into my paintings. Yeah, but it's also super interesting that I would have these super sciencey classes in the morning where people are very logical and they're you know arguing every point because most of them are pre-med and and um, super gunner to to study and then in the afternoon i would um, go to my art studio where people are really laid back and they're just contemplating kind of the meaning of their art and what they want to create what 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 um what uh, sort of all their experience means that they can they can translate into the artwork that they do. So it, the 
the juxtaposition of the two kind of people that I had access to was quite uh, interesting for me. I mean, it seems like you've been able to continue to explore the humanities too, yeah. even now in your in your work as a physician. Right. I think that's what I really love about psychiatry is you have that um, freedom to express yourself in in the room with the patient, and I think that's a privilege that not all specialties share. Um, uh, a lot of times, we you know, just sort of follow an algorithm rather than bring our um, healing touch into it. Um, so I encourage all the physicians um, to, to use that whenever possible because I think that's when medicine comes alive. Um, so uh, everything that one experiences in life become nutrient um, for treatment for patients. That's my experience. Um, all the life challenges or difficulties and the happy moments um, are distilled into comments that I make to patients. So even if they don't really know a lot of personal information about me, <laughs> as I do about them, um, it comes out in my um, in my advice, in my redirecting, reframing for their thoughts, their behaviors. Um, so I would say those are the valuable moments that I treasure in psychiatry that are quite unique. And especially that seems to be a big emphasis here mm -hmm. in the holistic nature of the care you provide. Right. Yeah, so um, what we mean by that is every patient that walks in the door gets psychotherapy and we only prescribe when it's necessary. Um, so in that sense, we really believe in the combined treatment model. We try not to split treatment as much as possible. So meaning one provider do both psychotherapy as well as psychopharm. And I think it really gives you a um, um, sort of an overview of the patient and you can really get to know someone that way when you're only just prescribing and seeing somebody once a month um, it, it's lacking in some sense it's lacking um, so that's kind of what we find to be enjoyable and rewarding mm -hmm. and being creating this practice you're able to control those things right it sounds like going back to that. yes yes and even controlling the interior design as well. Walking right. through your practice is absolutely beautiful. It's very calming colors. Thank you. And the layout. <laughs> Do you feel like your art Thank background you. played into how you designed? My flow? style certainly did. My style, my um, choice of color, I guess. Um, and uh, um, I always loved interior design. And I never sort of understood why um, I love interior design. It's sort of like an irrational love. <laughs> um, and, um, and psychiatry. And then someone said to me, um, someone really wise said to me, oh, well, they're both about um, how people feel. Hmm. And that just clicked. <laughs> so yeah. I guess I care about how people feel. and sort of be mindful about what kind of space that feels therapeutic for people when they come in. Um, again, both for clinicians and for patients. Wow, 
Great. Yeah. And I think you definitely succeeded in that end in Thank creating you. that therapeutic It's space. an ongoing challenge, but <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say we have arrived, but I think um, it's, worth, it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Always improving and always yes. changing to be better, definitely. it sounds like. Definitely. Thank you so much for taking the time Thank to speak you. with us and share your wisdom. Are there any uh, parting last words that you have for mm-hmm. our listeners who might be thinking about maybe mm-hmm. creating their own practice in the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, um, depending on where, where um, they are in their life, I always just want to encourage people to do what they love. So whether that is a specialty that really speaks to them or um, it doesn't have to be creating their own practice, it could be joining a practice that they um, just feel good about um, or entering um, management care where they feel like that's where they can make a difference it doesn't really matter but more so just whatever they feel speak to them that is something they want to do right now um, then it's worth doing because I really think when all of us follow our hearts like that we actually make bigger impact rather than doing things we're supposed to do or supposed to love or supposed to you know that is somehow you know um, we should for follow this formula in some ways. I find that to um, um, not not always um, um, as fruitful as people sort of imagine it to be. Mm-hmm. So the importance again of finding that right fit and mm-hmm. that as a very personal, individualized right exactly. Thing. And don't be afraid. Great. Well, yeah. those are great words to end on. <laughs> Thank you again. <laughs> Thank you. And that's all we got for this episode of Doctors Who Create. Hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review. We would love to hear from you. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at doctorswhocreate at gmail.com. Or tweet us at doctorscreate. Or check out our website, doctorswhocreate.com to listen to our podcast episodes and also to check out other articles and profiles of physicians who are creative. Intro music brought to you by the band Night Float.